forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is kind of a weird thing. And uh, a lot of times I think that uh, we think that we've forgiven people, but maybe we haven't. Or maybe we have things in our lives and we don't know how to forgive the people. Uh, or why we should even forgive them for that matter. And so I want to talk to you tonight about forgiveness. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32 says, and it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Even because, if for nothing else, because you've been forgiven, you need to forgive. Amen. Let's lift our hands and pray one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way in this place. God, I pray, God, that you bring clarity to us. God, there's people in here that may be dealing, God, with unforgiveness in their heart. I pray, God, that you dispatch angels in this place to minister to the men and women in this house. God, to set free, to heal, to deliver hearts. Amen. Hallelujah. To overcome the lies of the enemy that would try to keep people bound up in their emotions and in bitterness in the name of Jesus, that we can walk in freedom. And from this day forward, God, laying down, God, our hurts that others have committed upon us. In Jesus' name, as you've forgiven us, God, I pray you help us to forgive tonight and every day from here on out. In Jesus' name. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 38, he said, Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. You know, and as you read that, and as I read that, there's a question that kind of pops in my head. Is it reasonable for God to ask us to do this? Is it reasonable for God to expect this of us, for us to forgive those that have hurt us? And many of us have many scars in our lives that people have put upon our hearts and are down inside of our very spirit because of things that have happened to us over the years of our lives. So is it reasonable for God to expect this of us, to forgive others that have done things to scar us deeply, to forgive them even as God has forgiven us? Uh, to honestly look at forgiveness, we have to deal with the objections against it also. Because there are some obje objections to it. Uh, and it can sometimes be hard to truly forgive those who have wronged us. It doesn't seem right that a victim would have to struggle for years to get victory over something they didn't cause themselves or deserve. Amen. Like, I think we would all agree with that. There's things that happen, especially we'll, we'll take it to one of its basis forms, the children. Innocent children, things happen to them that they deal with for years and years and years because of nothing of their own fault. That doesn't seem right. doesn't seem fair. While their offender, while the one that hurt them just goes on with life as though nothing ever even happened. The question is asked, why do I have to forgive? I was the one that was hurt here. Shouldn't they have to take care of this somehow? Pay some type of restitution. And so we look at forgiveness and it's understandable that forgiveness can seem unfair at times. 
And we ask the question, if I'm the victim, why should I have to do something that is uncomfortable for me? Why should I be the one to pay anything for what's happened because of another's actions upon me? Matthew 6, 14 says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And many of us, as we read that, we understand that. Like, we understand that Jesus has forgiven us of much. And in the same manner, we need to forgive others. But he's God and we're not. Amen. And uh, that makes it, we're wrapped in flesh still. We got to deal with this flesh. Amen. So we understand this to an extent, but we feel that forgiveness lets the other person off the hook. The, the one who wronged us gets away, and they, they don't have to pay any recourse for what they've done. And, and, and we are the ones that are left to pay for the offense, and we, we didn't really do anything wrong probably to begin with, uh, yet we are the ones that were wronged. And so forgiveness places the responsibility on us instead of the one that hurt us. And so forgiveness can seem unfair. I mean, let's be real, right? But that's not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is not about denying your pain. It's not about letting your offender off the hook. It's not about blaming you, the victim. And most importantly, forgiveness is not unfair because God can't do anything that's unfair. And God can't go against his nature, amen? Romans 9, 14 in the Amplified says, What shall we conclude then? Is there injustice upon God's part? Certainly not. Amen. God is a just God. And if he asks us to do something, then he'll give us the ability to do it. The Greek word translated forgive carries the idea of a release from some type of obligation, most commonly a financial obligation. And this is how Jesus often illustrated the idea and the concept of forgiveness to his disciples and to the church. Luke 7, 41 says, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they had no means of repaying the debts, he freely forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? This money uh, lender, he chose to release both of the debtors from their obligations. And these were very real obligations that these debtors had to the money lender. They owed this man the money. It was their obligation to pay it back to him. The money owed wasn't like something that was just a figment of his imagination, right? These guys owed this man some money. And uh, it was a real debt. He had a legal right to be repaid what was owed to him. So the money lender was the innocent party in all this, right? The borrowers had a legal obligation to pay back the money. There was a deficit between their debt or their obligation to pay and their resources, which is their ability to pay. These guys had got themselves in a situation where they now had a debt. They owed something that they could never pay back. They didn't have the ability to pay it back. And so forgiveness is often the only way to settle a debt. We see that in the financial world. My wife was just talking to me the other day about in her uh, business, uh, the health center over there, the clinic. They don't, they don't take people to collections. They don't chase people down when they have debts because it becomes more of a hassle than usually what it's worth. They'll forgive the person the debt and even let them come back to the clinic and keep coming. 
because they feel like there's more blessing in doing that than trying to get money out of somebody who doesn't have any money, right? So often, the only way to settle a debt, to settle a debt is to show forgiveness. We know that in accounting, the rules say that the books have to be balanced. Someone's going to have to pay this debt. One of the greatest misunderstandings about forgiveness is that it is simply not overlooking someone else's debt or transgression. That is not what forgiveness is. It's not just simply overlooking what happened or what they did or the hurt they caused. That's not what it's about. That's not forget just overlooking it, acting like it never happened, right? The truth of the matter is that someone always has to pay because an offense always creates an obligation that must be satisfied. Somewhere that offense is going to have to be paid for, whether through you or through somebody else. It's going to get paid for. There's going to be some form of payment for an offense, whether now or later, and that pay to, payment or settlement of the debt comes in different ways. Amen? It comes through uh, hurt. It comes through carrying burdens in your spirit, the overwhelming thoughts in your minds that you have when you think about certain people or things or situations in your life. It can cause you to do harm to other people. There's all kinds of ways that it can get paid, right? But... This is the essence of forgiveness. When we forgive, we acknowledge that a wrong has occurred. We've got to acknowledge that it's occurred. We recognize that there is an obligation for repayment. And we choose, we choose to release the offender from that obligation. And we choose to cover the loss ourselves. That's what the money lender did. He said, I know you guys, you guys owe me money. You got an obligation to me. But I'm, I'm going to take this on myself, and I'm going to release you from that obligation and let you go on. Most of us, we have no trouble with the first two steps in this process because we are uh, expert record keepers. We're pretty good at keeping track of everyone who's done us wrong or did something to offend us or make our heart hurt or whatever. We're pretty good at keeping track of all that. We're good record keepers. The problem for us is the third ingredient of forgiveness, choosing to release the person that, hurt, that has hurt us and covering that debt ourselves. Matthew 18, 21 says, Then Peter came to him and asked him, Lord, how many times will my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let it go? Up to seven times, he said. Jesus, as answer to Peter's question about forgiveness, looked at, these objections, and, and he offers us some reasons of why we are to forgive others, okay? Matthew 18, 22, Jesus answered him. He said, I say to you, not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, and that's in a day, I believe, if I remember that right, the question. Verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. So he turned it right up to the kingdom of heaven. And we are to bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth. Amen? That's the whole reason he always switches over to this. He said, so the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his slaves. And when he began the accounting, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But because he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and everything that he possessed and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees and he begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the master's heart was moved with compassion and he released him and forgave him, canceling the debt. 
Although the servant has absolutely no way to make even the smallest dent in such a huge debt, he begs for just a little more time from his king. We see him, and this is begging and groveling before the king, saying, just give me, just give me one more chance. Just give me a little bit more time. And, and we see what a beautiful thing the king did. He forgave his debt because he felt compassion for the man. He felt love for the man. So he forgave him. He owed him the money. He had an obligation to pay him, but the king said, I see you're in the strait. I'm not gonna order, I'm not gonna make you pay it. I'm gonna, because I have compassion on you, I'm gonna let it go. This is the perfect illustration of forgiveness. The servant owed a very real debt to the king. The king had every right to expect repayment of the debt, but the king voluntarily, that's the main thing in all of this. He voluntarily released the servant from his obligation and covered the loss himself. So let's look at this here. What alternative to forgiveness did the king have? Would the, would the slave's imprisonment have resulted in even, you know, maybe a dollar or whatever coming back to the king? Was there any advantage being gained by demanding that the slave remain behind bars for the rest of his life? No. None of those things would pay off the debt. None of those things would clear the obligation that that slave had towards him. It would still be there. So, you know, but we need to, you need to hear me here and understand this. The king was smart enough to know he was a holding, holding a debt that was uncollectible. The king was smart enough to know that he was holding a debt that was uncollectible. And this is exactly how many people are when they hold on to unforgiveness Many times people struggle with offering forgiveness because they are unaware that they are holding a worthless debt, a debt that will never be paid by the other person, a debt that will never be settled. They mistakenly believe that there's some payment they can extract from their offender that will compensate them for their loss, that they will pay, that that person will pay their debt in full. But the truth is, is that there's very few sinners that have the resources to pay their debts off. Very few people wrapped up in the world of sin and self have the ability or capacity to pay off the debts that they've acquired in their life. What satisfactory payment could someone ever give you to compensate for a child killed by a drunk driver? What satisfactory payment could someone ever give you to compensate for a reputation slandered by a false rumor or a relationship destroyed by lies, a marriage destroyed by infidelity, a childhood innocence stolen by an immoral relative? What satisfactory payment could someone ever give you to compensate for any of these things or a thousand other things just like them? They truly owe a debt they don't have the ability to pay. We think we could get people to pay us back and we'll be okay, but there's really nothing they can do. Because once the scar is there, the scar is there. So Jesus' seemingly outrageous, outrageous solution of turning the other cheek appear, appears more reasonable in this light, doesn't it? Like when we understand that there's really nothing they can do to pay for it anyway. Yeah, I guess I just got to turn my other cheek. 
Will I continue to hold that debt, be focused on that debt, worried about and concerned about that debt that will never be repaid by the offender? Why continue to allow it to control your books and your view of that person? Forgiveness frees us up to get on with our own life. Forgiveness is about freeing ourselves up to move on with our lives. The king was smart enough to know that he had too many responsibilities to allow himself to be distracted, be distracted by one slave's obligations. Sometimes the only sensible option is to cut our losses rather than risk needless preoccupation with a hopeless situation. Why should the king spend every waking moment checking with the royal bookkeeper over this debt that was in reality unlikely to be paid and neglect the rest of his kingdom and his duties? He had way more important things to worry about, way more important things to focus his energy on, way more important things to give himself to than this debt that he knew wouldn't probably ever be paid because the guy didn't have any way to pay it. Why allow this debt to consume so much of his time, energy, and focus when he had so many productive things to focus on and spend his time on? And I think most of us who've ever been seriously hurt by somebody knows what I'm talking about right there. Because when that person pops in your mind or somebody brings up their name or the devil or pops his that person in your mind, next thing you know, you're off in la-la land, wrapped up in your gut, all in your mind, all in your thoughts, mad, hurt, angry, disappointed, all this stuff, and you're missing out on so much in that moment, in that time, because you're wrapped up in that stuff instead of just letting it go and going on with your life, because more than likely, they're not going to pay you back for what they owe you. Each one of us will have many situations arise in our life where we are much more concerned about someone's obligation to us than they are. <laughs> well, we're way more concerned with their unpaid debt than they are. Many times the people that have hurt us aren't carrying the weight of the debt that we carry because of that debt. Many times when somebody hurts you, they just keep on going with life. And you're all wrapped up in your emotions and your hurts and your thoughts and all this stuff. And they're just going on life, merry old jolly way. And you're all offended and hurt and tore up, missing out on life in those moments because you're so focused on their debt that they're not even worried about. Why? Because most people in the world don't even recognize or have the ability to pay their debts. They move on, and we're left holding the weight of the debt we owed. And if we choose to hold on to the offense, we, in effect, become an emotional hostage to our offender. You become an emotional hostage to your offender. Because every time we think about that person, our emotions and our thoughts are triggered towards negative things. So they're controlling us, and they probably could care less that they are. They probably don't even know that they're doing it. And yet we're allowing them to do it. Uh, maybe you've never been there. I don't know. I've been there. I know. They probably don't even know that they're holding us as, and as an emotional hostage over a debt that they can't even pay. And more than likely, they don't even care to pay it. But yet it's got me all bound up and consumed. I've been there, man. I've been there. I can remember days where I was just 
ate up over things. I'm not going to go into all the details, but ate up mad, consumed. Like I'd get fired up. And I had to let that go because it was eating, it was literally eating me up. I was an emotional hostage. And you know what? I'll tell you what. When I went to this person and told them I forgave them, they said, for what? <laughs> and literally, that's what they told me. I didn't even do nothing. I'm like, like that makes me have to forgive you again right now. Because <laughs> I literally want to thump you on the forehead for that. And they told me like three times. Every time I said it, for what? I didn't even do nothing. I'm like, I had to walk out and go, yep, okay, all right. Debt paid. I'm out of here. Done. And I had to walk away from that thing. And you know what? When I did that, I'm not, I wasn't bound up anymore. I wasn't losing, because I was literally, there was moments where I was losing my mind. Like, just ready to, ah. I'm thankful God directed my steps through all that, and I didn't get caught in a situation where I did something really stupid. Because I was ready to do something really stupid. Like, if there was anybody I ever wanted to destroy, that was it. And I'm thankful God never allowed me to see that person alone or whatever. Because I don't know what I would have done. I would have chewed their face off. I would have bit, poked, scraped, choked. That's how mad I was. But it was eating me up. It was literally eating me up. Like, I'd wake up in the morning, it'd be on my mind. I'd be going through my day, it'd be on my mind. I'd be going home from work, it'd be on my mind. And God finally said, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Look at you, you're a mess. Do something about this. Go talk to them. Go release their debt to you. Go pay the debt. You go pay it. Okay. All right, Lord. And I did, and he took care of it. One of the best reasons for forgiving someone is not what it does for them, but what it does for you. No matter what they've done, no matter what they've done, if you're allowing that thing to hold you hostage, man, you're giving them power over your life. You've got to let that thing go. You've got to let it go. You've got to get it out of your heart, get it out of your spirit. I'll talk a bit about that more here in a minute, but you've got to let it go because it's not about them, it's what it does for you. It frees you up to move on and live life. Hebrews 12.1, wherefore seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight, every weight. That don't mean we get to pick and choose the weights. It's every weight. Every weight. And sin that's, which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that's set before us. We've got to lay aside the weights so that we can continue the running that God's setting before us. To continue being and doing everything that God's calling you to be. You've got to lay it aside. I read this. It said, letting go of a rattlesnake might help the snake, but it benefits you as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, it sure does. Because you might just get bit by that snake if you hang on to it, right? Forgiveness releases us from needless suffering. The suffering caused by the weight of carrying someone else's debt 
is released when we let go, when we forgive. Can you imagine the relief the servant must have felt as he left the palace knowing that his million-dollar debt had been forgiven? Wow. Man, he was, you can't, I mean, I'm sure he was on cloud nine, right? But then he, this dude had an evil thought. Matthew 18, 28, the story goes on, says, but that same slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii, and he seized him, and he began choking him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow slave fell on his knees and begged him earnestly, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and he went and he had him thrown in prison until he paid back the debt. And when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and they went and reported to their master with clarity and in detail everything that had taken place. Then his master called him and said to him, you wicked and contemptible slave, I forgave all that great debt of yours because you begged me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave? who owed you little by comparison, as I had mercy on you. And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers, to the jailers, until he paid all that he owed. And Jesus went on, he said, my heavenly father will also do the same to every one of you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Notice what Jesus adds to the end of the story. That's what my heavenly father is gonna do to you if you refuse to forgive. The laws of God decree that those who refuse to forgive enter their own private torture chamber, right? That guy was thrown into jail. He was thrown before the jailers. He was locked up. And when we forgive, when we for, refuse to forgive, we get locked up. And we sentence ourselves to a lifetime of needless pain. Because that's what it is. It's needless pain. The Bible term for unforgiveness is bitterness. It's the Greek word that's translated bitter. It comes from a word meaning sharp or pointed. And just as there are certain smells that are sharp to the senses, like you know those smells when they hit you, they're like, Oosh. all of us, every one of us in here can recall offenses committed against us that may have occurred years ago, but they still hurt when we turn them over in our minds. That's why you must let go of the debt. That's why you got to get rid of the debt. You've got to be willing to let go of the debt. Don't risk poisoning your life by holding on to the grievance. Don't risk being a slave over a debt that won't probably ever get paid to you. Hebrews 12, 15 says, looking diligently... Lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up in you trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness springing up, trouble you, and defile you. That goes back to the, if you don't forgive, my father's not going to forgive you. If you've got bitterness in your heart over somebody or something, you've got to let that go. You've got to let that go. With every offense comes a choice. We can hold on to it and become bitter, or we can release it and become better. Continually reliving our hurts infects not only our life, but the lives of those around us. Everything in your life isn't just about you. It's, all, it's about you and those that are all around you. And if you have bitterness in your heart, that's not just affecting you. It's going to affect those that you have a relationship with closely. It's going to come into your relationships with other people. 
The strongest argument for forgiveness is the consequences of unforgiveness. <laughs> forgiveness is the obligation of the forgiven. I was thinking about this, and I was like, it must be astonishing to God sometimes that those who have been forgiven so much would refuse to forgive so little. We make such big things out of the wrongs that have been perpetrated upon us, and huh. While the pain that someone has inflicted on you is real, it's there, you have to deal with it, but it's negligible compared to the wrong you've committed against God. And yet he forgave you. He still forgave you. That's the ultimate reason why you should, should forgive, because you have been forgiven. All you have to do is ask him, and he forgives you. Your debt, gone. It's gone. He wiped it away. And if you have the Holy Ghost, then you have the Spirit of God in you, which means you have the character of God in you, which means that you should operate just like he does. And if he's forgiven you, who are you to say you can't forgive somebody else? Oh, it's so bad. It's so great. Yeah, well, a lot of things that you've done, <laughs> you've been forgiven for yourself. Amen? And not only that, but Jesus, if they asked for forgiveness, if that person that did you wrong came to God and asked him to forgive them, he would forgive them, just like he forgave you of all your stuff. And if Jesus is willing to forgive them, you need to be willing to forgive them. I need to be willing to forgive them, amen? Our goal is to be like Jesus. We all say we want to be like Jesus. <laughs> well, Jesus forgives people. And he does it without any recourse. He does it. He just forgives. Amen? That's his very nature and character. And if you have his spirit in you, then you too can forgive others of their debts. Jesus on the cross said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. My God. Beaten, spit on, ridiculed. Like, literally, they're sitting there talking all kinds of junk to him right there. Making fun of him as he's hanging on the cross. And what's he say? Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. That's the thing. They don't know what they're doing. They're in their flesh. They're carnal. They're not acting in the spirit. And usually if somebody does you wrong, that's where they're at. Even if they are a Holy Ghost-filled child of God, they've gotten in their flesh and they've done something to harm you. Amen? You guys aren't saying much. You're all looking at me kind of like. So I say all that. That's all good and dandy, right? Like we were all like, okay, yeah, we get it. We got to forgive people. I, I see it even deeper probably now than I did 45 minutes ago. Like the necessity of that and what that means, right? So how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, you can't do it for one thing in your own self. 
Again, it's the character of God. That's his nature is to forgive. So you've got to let the Holy Ghost help you through that. You need to pray and ask God to help you do that. You want to know if... See, we, 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 a lot of times we'll say, yeah, I forgive that person. I forgive that person. And then somebody will say their name and there's just like a little mm, twinge in my little, in my spirit, not his spirit, my spirit. And I'm like, no, I forgave him. Well, did you? Did you? Are you allowing there to be a little root of bitterness in there? If you don't take care of it, one day it's going to spring up in you and defile you. And I say that because I've been here recently. I was sitting there and I was like, hmm, I, I thought I was good. I thought I was good. Maybe, maybe it's not 100% good. Maybe it's only 95% good. But I want to get it 100% good. So I said, God, you see this in me? I don't want this in me. I want your heart. I want to be led of the spirit, not this flesh. I don't want to walk in this carnal man. So God, I need you to help me get this out of here. I've done what I can. I, I don't want it, Lord. I don't want it. I'm repenting of it. I'm asking, you to, I'm asking you to forgive me, but I'm also asking you to take it from me. So you need, you need the power of the Holy Ghost to help you do this stuff because our natural man wants to reject it. They want to fight. We want to go do something to get back at them, retract payment from them somehow. You need the Holy Ghost to help you forgive. So that's a prayer that you need to pray and make sure every time that you, anything comes up in your spirit, you start praying that prayer. You know, I was talking with somebody and I was like, and, the, and you guys, most of you heard me say this, but, you know, the whole battle is in your mind. I got a, that, that verse to bring every thought into the captivity of Christ. Like, this is probably about a year and a half, two years ago, man, I read that and it really hit me. And I was like, how important is that? Because we let thoughts happen all the time and we don't really pay attention to what's going on. Like I did last Wednesday when I got a thought of, you should do foot washing. I said, just let that one go by. I didn't bring that one into captivity and start really thinking about it, pray about it. My flesh said, ah, no. <laughs> but our thoughts, like I don't ever do it. You don't do anything without a thought. You don't. Like there's some things that you kind of do with very, very little thought because it's just kind of habit and, it, you know. Like even that, I'm not really thinking about it, but my body's thinking about it somehow because my hand's flying out there. I'm not sitting here going, I think I'm about to throw my hand out. But something's going on to make me do that, right? Whatever it is. And, like, you don't ever just sin. First, it starts as a thought. It's conceived in your thought. And then you think on it, and that thought becomes action. And then you sin. That's why Jesus said, if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery. Because you've got to catch it in your thoughts. Before the actions ever manifest, take control of it there, because there, there's nothing to it. It hasn't caused you sin yet. You got to get that thing under control, unless you let it go. But you just got to get it under control, right? So, when you somebody says somebody's name, that person, or you 
get reminded of somebody or something, and uh, boom, in your spirit, you feel that little nudge, or in your, your head, you're like, uh. Like, you need to recognize that right then. And you need to take authority over that thing, especially if you've repented already and asked God to help you forgive this person or this situation or whatever. Catch that thing, and don't let it just run around up there, because you know what? I'll tell you what, the devil probably knows that person bothers you because you've probably said something somewhere and he heard it. And to think that he's not going to throw that in your face, like, come on, guys. So you got to pay attention when those thoughts pop in your head, man, catch them, catch them, pray against that. No, God, no, I've forgiven them. God, if there's anything in me, forgive me right now, God. But no, that's not my heart. I forgive them. I love them. The Bible says to pray for them, and then you should pray for them. Then it gets real, right? And it's not like, oh, no, Lord, I just, no, God bless them. God move in their life. Touch them. Do a work in their life, God. Help me to love them just like you love them, right where they're at in their situations and their life and what's going on with them because he loves them. And then just to be diligent with that. I mean, that's really, I don't know what else you can do. There, there might be situations where, I guess I'm talking more like those little hurts that are still there that you, you think you've forgiven people for, and they might still be there. But so there, you might have something in your life that you need to go take care of. Like I say, I had to go talk to that person. I couldn't just forgive them. I needed to go tell them I forgave them. I had to do that. Not for them, for me. Amen. And you may, you may have to need to do that. Um, of course, don't do that if it's going to cause a bunch of problems. Like, there's no point in that. Like if you go show up at their house and they're like pulling their shotgun out on you or something. Oh, I forgive you. I'll blast you in the kneecap. I'll forgive you for that too. <laughs> Sorry. But there, you know, there's probably situations where you, it's probably best you don't go meet somebody face to face or even call them on the phone. But if you can do that and you need to do it, you need to do it. And then just try to love them. Pay attention to what's going on in your heart and your spirit when it comes to those people. And don't let any bitterness begin to grow in there. Amen? You know, we got a couple minutes. I wasn't planning to do this, but I don't know. Has anybody got any questions or thoughts? Maybe something you've done where you've had to work through this and an example. Yeah, because it's hard to pray for somebody and be mad at them. And if, you, if that is the case, the more you pray for them, God's going to change your heart probably through that process. 
So like, like the other side of the, so like if me forgiving that person released them, sure, I would think so. You know, if they're willing to accept that, you know. Again, a lot of people, I think, unless they have an encounter with God or something, the things that they do to people, they they don't really hold a lot of regret in themselves in, 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 until something happens and they have a heart change, you know. So, yeah. But definitely, I guess, you know, you're not holding them captive yourself for sure. He even said, you'll, you'll fail of the grace of God. Whoa. Whoa. That's heavy duty. Um, I just had a thought. You know, you said digging that out, and I was thinking, you know, I, was, I think I was talking with somebody about this topic, and, I, you know, I've been talking about burying the past and burying the bones and stuff. You know, David, he knew where those bones were buried, like it says in the Bible, he buried him in uh, the father of Saul, Kish's tomb or whatever. Like he knew where the, the bones were buried. He just didn't never go back to them. Right? Like forgiveness doesn't just like make it all just like, a, like it never happened. Like I know those moments in time where I had to bury bones. I know where they're buried. I know exactly where they're buried. I, re I can recall right where they're at. I could go back to them if I wanted. I could dig them up. The thing is, I'm just not going to do that. It doesn't, I, it's not that I don't remember anything and I don't know it didn't happen, like act like nothing ever happened. No, these things happened and they were real and they hurt me and all that stuff. I'm just going to bury their influence in my life. I'm going to bury their control over me. I'm going to go on with my life. Those things are there and I can always look back to them like I buried those bones. I can bury these bones. The next time something comes, because more than likely, somewhere down the road, something's going to happen. Someone's going to offend you. You're going to get hurt. Something's going to happen. And you're going to have to bury those bones and go on and just keep going on. Just like whenever you fail, Jesus buries the bones, keeps going on with you, keeps loving you, keeps walking with you. Amen. It's very important that we do make sure we're doing this. And again, I think a lot of times in the church, we're like, oh, yeah, I, I've forgiven them. I've forgiven them. I just don't want to ever be around them. I don't know. I mean, I guess I could see something there, maybe. I don't know. Oh, no, I don't. The only time I think about them is when I'm mad. 
Did you really forgive him? Did you really forgive him? Or are you praying for him? You're asking God to bless him and do a work in their life and for, for him to forgive them. Ooh. It's 659. <laughs> well, two different things, right? And uh, I don't think you have to trust people just because you forgive them. Because their life is going to show you if you can trust them with certain things. Like if somebody, uh, if somebody smacked my kid, I, I can forgive them for that, but I'm not going to let them watch my kid again. Somewhere down the road, I see their lives are good. They have a change of heart. They're doing great. Possibly then, you know. But I, I think forgiveness and trust are two different things. Does that make sense? Now, I do think if you see people making moves and changing their life, you've got to be willing to at some point to say, okay, okay, I see you're trying to do good. Your heart's good. You're not being some kind of goofball. Okay, I can trust you a bit. And, you know, trust is something that's earned, right? It's not something freely given all the time. So, Okay. That's powerful. Like, again, that's that uh, being held hostage by things that somebody did to you, you know, literally to the, well, that root of bitterness, many are defiled by. It's not just you. It's going to affect other people, right? I mean, that's pretty, that's deep stuff right there. Like you're literally just projecting things on them because of their personality or whatever. We gotta be we gotta be very careful. Something just hit me when you were talking too, and like the depth of forgiveness and the different ways it can needs to be done. You know, there's also people that you probably need to make sure you're okay with God. Because you can get bitter at God because you think he let so and so and so and so and this and that to happen. And you put it on him. And the thing is, is that we live in a sinful fallen world and God just allows things to happen. It happens all good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people all the time. Right? God just allow some things to happen. That's just what it is. And so to act like he's the one that did it because he allowed it, you got to be really careful with that because then you're going to have a 
distorted view of your father, and you don't want that, right? So you got to be really, that's something to always remember because you're going to come into contact with people, especially coming into the church that don't know God the way you do, and their father may have did a lot of crazy stuff to them, and they project that on Jesus as their heavenly father, they, they have a view of God because of what their earthly father has done or some person has done, and it's off. And you've got to be able to help people walk through that and heal from that and to move on and to live the life God wants them to live. Amen.